Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, 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 dear listeners. Welcome to Actung Mill. As you well know, this season, Actung is doing a partnership with Pundit Games, punditgames.co.uk, the number one ultimate football quiz game, board game, answering questions on football. What more can you want out of this life? And ahead of each of our shows this season, we're asking one question from the the vast selection of genres and eras and uh, types of you know football subject that they have in in the uh, in the pundit games. So we're going to ask a question now, just to give you a little taster as to what kinds of delights await you should you buy your uh, significant other, son, daughter, mates. This particular ball game is a great game. So here's a question, answer at the end of the show. This is a rags-to-riches story. An Englishman who was over 27 when he made his debut in the Premier League and of the 29 players who've scored over 100 Premier League goals, only Ian Wright has made his debut later than this Leicester legend. You're getting it already, listeners, aren't you? This larger-than-life character scored in a record-breaking 11 straight matches during Leicester's incredible title-winning campaign. The top scorers in the Premier League of 2019 have Mr X with 23 goals, playing for Leicester City, in front of Aubameyang of Arsenal, 22, Danny Ings of Southampton with 22, Raheem Sterling of Manchester City, and Mohamed Salah with 19 goals. A rags-to-riches story, played for Leicester. Guys, you got it already. Answer at the end of the show if you need it, dear listeners. You're listening to Achtung Mobile, broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Accept no substitute. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to a preview edition of Achtung Millwall, the number one Millwall podcast, I think it is, in my unbiased opinion. Uh, my name is Nick Hart. You're listening to a pre- Swansea City at Home edition, um, a mix between a preview show and, and a look back into the past as we try to do on these little um, dainties that I set before you for your delectation ahead of Saturday's game. Um, is it a must-win game Saturday? It's, it's not a must-win in any direct sense, but it's certainly the kind of fixture, dear listeners, that we really do or should be looking to take three points from. Swansea City... Fallen, um, fallen from the heights. Really. I was just reading their their history. Obviously, you got the not that long ago the Premier League, the Europa Cup, Brendan Rodgers, um, Carlos Kickerball, and all sorts of names 
playing beautiful football for them, but they've fallen down to the, the depths at the moment of the 21st position in the championship. Played eight, They've won just one game so far this season, drawn three and lost four. Uh, scored a few goals, more two more goals than we have, 10 goals, but conceded 12. So um, the Lions, by contrast, are in 11th after last week's battling, as the BBC calls it, battling performance, the 0-0 draw at West Bromwich Albion. Um, I don't know if I'd call it battling, listeners. I don't know how you'd see it. Lucky would be <laughs> my choice of, um, you know, description for last week's game, particularly during the course of the second half. I know that, you know, we, we put in a bit of a defensive masterclass, that back line of, of Murray Wallace, more about him shortly, Jake Cooper and Ryan Leonard. Um, but it was, you know, hanging on for, for grim death at times, uh, uh, every man, all, all men to the pumps. Uh, they West Brom hit the crossbar twice. Um, some great point blank saves by by Bart Bielkowski. Um So, I, where does luck start and and skillful defence begin? I don't know, but certainly I thought we rode our luck up there at the Hawthorns last week. But the BBC have done us a a kind turn, described as a battling nil nil draw at West Brom. This left us in eleventh position but to make my my point I really do believe that Saturday's game at home to Swansea is the kind of game we really ought to be winning if we've got any ambitions at all of finishing higher than respectable mid-table injuries dear listeners just looking at the second tier Twitter feed Swansea's new signing Josh Ginelli I don't know him is set to miss the rest of the season for injury so they've signed him um, and then he's got injured. That sounds familiar, doesn't it, dear listeners? Nathan Wood and Joe Allen are also out until January. Anyway, he's out for the season, so um, they've got their own set of problems, dear listeners, haven't they? Um, but yeah, from the Mill perspective, it's a game we really ought to be winning. But I mean, we talk about injuries, don't we? But um, joining the ranks of the of the casualties at, at Calmont uh, Road this week, Murray Wallace apparently took a knock up there at West Brom last weekend um apparently George Honeyman is as a consequence that he's these um the carnage the carnage at Calment George Honeyman has been fast tracked back to back to the first team according to Richard Cowley on the London News online network reports that Mills injury issues could see George Honeyman put back into the first team fold slightly sooner than anticipated uh, the former Sunderland whole midfield has been out since uh, July, a pre-season friendly, suffering a quad injury, I don't know how we're going to fast track him back if he's injured and he hasn't. You know, I don't don't know how much training he would have done, match level training. I don't know, unless we've got some kind of Joe ninety style um, matter transmitter or something tucked away at Calmont Road. I don't know how we're going to fast track him. But anyway, probably what that means effectively, listeners, is we're going to play him with the risk of further injuries. Joining. Uh, potentially the likes of Kevin Nisbet, Sean Hutchinson, Matthias Sarkic, and now dear old Murray Wallace. Um, we don't have a huge squad, do we? And you know the depth of injury crisis we've got going on is making a real dent in in, in matters. Huge amounts of online criticism of um, Gary Rowett, some of his decisions to loan out the likes of Chin Akoli, who's doing very well at Bromley, Alex Mitchell doing very well at Lincoln leaving us short uh, with a bit of a lashed-up back line. Um, I presume that this may mean the introduction of Wes Harding 
into the back line. If um, you know, if Murray's out on Saturday, I presume it's going to be a Harding, Cooper, and Leonard. Long may he continue in good health. Pray to whichever deity you you fancy to to keep that going. Um, but it does have a bit of a lashed up feel. Am I am I alone in in feeling that this has got a bit of a seller tape and wing of a prayer quality to the back line? Tom Bradshaw's injured. I missed him out. Just reading through the the piece by Richard Corley. Just reading through Alex Gracie's four takeaways from Mill's nil nil draw at West Brom. Um, back to back clean sheets, says Alex. But the second half was tough viewing. It was tough viewing. <laughs> Like I said at the start of the show, I thought we were we rode our luck, um, and you can only do that for so long. Um, and we missed numerous chances, didn't we, in the first half, including, of course, the Zian Fleming penalty. Um, I thought Zian up until that point was looking brighter, but he does fade so easily. He does fade when his his head drops, and that's a problem for for you, Zian, if you're listening to the the show, mate. I think maybe players do, because I would if I was in the squad. I'd want to know what people are saying. Um, you cannot let your head drop to that level so easily if you seriously aspire to play at the top level, because, you know, that's part of the game. Um, to you have to contend with um, injuries. We've mentioned injuries already, Alex. Ryan Leonard shows his worth, says Alex Grace. God Almighty, doesn't he just? Um, he was a record signing when he first arrived with us, I believe, under Neil Harris, wasn't it? And obviously another player that's contended with injury um, in recent times a lot. Um, so far, touch wood, got my rabbit's foot. and a bit of lucky heather here for your listeners. So far, Ryan Leonard is is being well preserved by the um, you know the, the medical uh, the medical team at, at Calvert Road. He keeps his fitness. Long may that continue. I don't know where we'll be if he falls under a you know under the heel of uh, the butcher's uh, the butcher's table at, at Calvert. Um, away form is encouraging, says Alex Grace, as as the home form has faltered. Yeah, um, regular theme on these shows. Probably a regular theme of discussion around the Mill Mill scene generally is our poor, relatively poor home form. Um, is it was it six wins since January? Did I say in the last show? I've, I haven't got the stats to to hand. I'm, I'm blagging this show, rather listeners. It's all being done on the hoof. But anyway, not many wins since the start of 2013. Uh, 2013, 2023. Um, I've gone back in my mind now, back with the, uh, you know, 10 years ago. Like the Pink Floyd song. Um, so, yeah, um, how how do we get into this position? Many fans will say due to Gary Rowett's um, choice of tactics, the only, I suppose, the answer to those, those critics, and I'll read the same feeds that you do, dear listener, is that we're sitting in 11th position at the moment, and that means we're just two points behind... Um, the sixth-placed Leeds United in in eighth, uh, sixth place on, th- on 13 points. A win tomorrow against Swansea. We sit just above the, the bottom three relegation spots. Puts us in with a shout of top six. I mean, it's mad. I mean, I think I saw an interview with Casper Denori in which he described the championship as a mad... Well, I can't remember how he put it. He might say crazy league. He probably said crazy league. Maybe I'll say crazy league as well because... Um, you know, probably shouldn't miss you to use the word mad, really, without going all woke on your listeners. Uh, so, yeah, a win tomorrow, and we'll certainly be in with a shout of 
the magical top six? Um, don't ask me because, I mean, the, the quality of play that we're seeing at the moment uh, doesn't go with that sentence, does it? That's that's the, the, Any Mill fan that's been um, following the Lions for any length of time, certainly the last couple of seasons, must have an underlying sense of unease about the the home form and the quality of some of the play. That said, everyone, the experts, the uh, the online Twitterati, seem to feel we're a very difficult team to beat. And um, well, we've been beaten three times this season, so I don't know. Any road, we'll see how we get on on Saturday. But I thought what I would do as part of this um, mini preview is, is to cast um, our, our glances backwards in time as is the way of this show, we do like to set the the current um, period in the context of history because you can always learn so much. Um, and there's also very little that's new in this world. Um, so I'm going to cast your mind back, dear listeners, not that far, actually. The fixture I've chosen from uh, previous visits of Swansea City to, to the Den is only back as far as 2007, which is, what was that, 16 years ago. Um... Now, I don't know about you, I don't know how old you are, dear listener, but I find increasingly 16 years seems like just yesterday. When you're young, 16 years seems like a lifetime to you, doesn't it? Um, but now, um, 16 years seems like a very recent um, period of time indeed. But it does, uh, the same, that said, um, you know, you're putting your mind back to the Willie Donerkey era. This would be the season of 2006 to 7, League One. Millwall finished in 10th position that particular season in League One, having been relegated, of course, during the, the chaos, utter chaos of 2005-06. Anyone that lived through that period will probably never forget it. It certainly left me a little bit scarred by it all. We had, we had manager on manager week after week, didn't we? Colin Lee, um, Tull. Uh, you know, we lurched. We were lurching both at the top in the boardroom, Theopathetis was neither here nor gone. And I think we had, what was his name? Oh, God, Stuart Till. Anyone remember Stuart Till? We had Peter de Savary at one point. Um, I'm just looking at the squad that season, 40-odd players. So anyway, they were relegated at the end of the 2005-06 season to find ourselves in um, League One. It was a so-so season, in truth. This was a late-season win. Over two nil, uh, over Swansea by two goals to nil at the Den in front of nine thousand two hundred and forty-nine. Uh, we were never really in with a shout of um, any immediate bounce back into you know the, the championship from which we we dropped the previous season. League position through the whole of two thousand and seven from January onwards. To be honest, hovering not that far above the the bottom um, bottom four positions, nineteenth there on uh, January the first, two thousand and seven, um, we would finish tenth, as I said, and this win over Swansea would reinforce us in eleventh position. So we were clear by, of relegation by this stage. The Mill team that put two goals past Swansea City on the thirty first of March, two thousand and seven. Some names here for you, dear listeners: Lenny Pidgeley and goal, Alan Dunn. Tony Craig, Paul Robinson, Richard Shaw, Dave Brammer in midfield, Chris Hackett, Ryan Smith, Darren Byfield up front, remember him? Neil Harris, who can ever forget Neil Harris and Danny Sender. Some substitutions, um, Paul Huberts would actually come in for Byfield quite early in the game in this particular fixture. He came on for uh, Byfield in the second minute, presumably injury. 
Uh, Marvin Elliott came in for Chris Hackett in the 57th minute and then Neil Ardley came in for, for Dunny in the 79th minute. One yellow card for Dave Brammer uh, in the 51st minute. Goals were scored both by two. It was a brace for Neil Harris. 31st minute of the first half and then a penalty in the 70th minute. Now, I've not been able to find any kind of match reports of any kind online. Um, nothing on YouTube other than some very jerky mobile phone footage from a Swansea City end perspective of crowd um, hollering and hooting in, in the streets of Bermondsey as I think they were, you know, inviting it on afterwards uh, outside the den. And also a very jerky um, bit of footage of Neil Harris's penalty. I think that was at the Coldblow Lane end um, to make it 2-0. So it's not really a huge amount of reportage that I can quote back here. I would have been at this game, but I can't remember it. In all, in all truth, I don't know if you can, dear listeners. Um, I have a, a vague sense of seeing Willie Garay in goal for Swansea City. That's about the only thing I can remember from this particular fixture. The, otherwise, it's one that's passed me by, largely speaking. But Willie Garay, one of our um, much-loved goalkeepers, always here as a understudy for Tony Warner during the promotion season of 2000-2001, of course. He only made a few appearances for us, Willie, didn't he? Um, but he was in, in the Swansea side that day. That one other name did leapt out at me who would like come on to Millwall later is Richard Duffy, who would come in as a substitute for Ian Craney for the Swans. Um, so, but until March of this year, this 2 0 win in March of 2007 was actually the last time we'd beat Swansea at the Den um, until this year, March 2023. Bit of a hoodoo uh, side, really. Um, they would obviously have better times. They would, uh, as we've said, reach the Premier League. Uh, they'd reach going to Europe and became known as this kind of beautiful football continental side, um, which is kind of a strange turn of events. But that's that's the footballing reputation they developed for themselves under the likes of. Of uh, Brendan Rodgers um, playing, you know, playing the ball around continental type football. Um, now they've obviously fallen far from from those times, and um, at the moment they sit just above the relegation spot. But uh, it's been quite a journey for Swansea City, and they would not long have moved into their new ground, the Liberty Stadium, if it's still called that. I think they may have changed it for sponsorship reasons, but they moved into that in two thousand five. So. By the time of this fixture, they'd only just taken, you know, ownership of their stadium by two years. Um, now, I picked out a few names from the Millwall lineup that day. Paul Huberts, we've mentioned already. Um, he actually had a good season uh, for us this year. He played 2006-07, 38 games for the Lions, 10 goals. That's not a bad return for a reasonably unknown Danish centre-forward. His career took in... A number of different uh, Danish sides, including Aalborg, uh, before arriving at Millwall, then going on to Northampton in August of uh, 2007. Um, the Just reading the biography from Neil Fissler's um, Millwall A to Z book, uh, it says Paul was a long striker with a, a, was a striker with long legs. And an unelegant style. <laughs> That's a great turn of phrase, Neil. An unelegant style who became popular with Millwall fans. He was very popular, wasn't he? Um, I think it was that the deep love that we have at the Den for a player that may not be the most skillful, but is a trier. You know, that's the kind of thing we love. 
Uh, by the time he arrived at the den, they, uh, Neil says, he'd enjoyed some success in his homeland, winning promotion with the team Farham in the Danish Super League. But despite wanting to extend his contract at the den, Willie Donachie didn't want him. Northampton took the chance of keeping him in, in England and he became the leading scorer with 13 goals for Northampton, for the Cobblers. Paul now lives back in his native Roskilde in Denmark where he owns a clove shop and is a cinema manager. And in a match against Millwall on two, in January the 1st, 2008, was sent off after a clash with ex-teammate Neil Harris. So a fiery character, um, Paul Huberts. Um, I, I, I remember him quite fine. I, didn't, I wasn't at that Northampton game. So I don't know, my views might have changed if he's gone up against um, Chopper. Um, but yeah, Paul Huberts, 38 games, 2006-07, 10 goals for the Lions in this particular season. This is rather middling season back in League One. Uh, another name I've picked out here is Chris Hackett. I used to like Chris Hackett. I thought he was a um, great kind of um, skillful, good, good deliverer of a cross, Chris Hackett. Something we don't often see much of. Um, played for us between 2006 and 2012. 146 games and six goals. So he wasn't a great um, scorer, but he was a great crosser and, and I think a passer of the ball. Defensively, because uh, he would play in that kind of defensive um, right side, sometimes fullback, sometimes midfield. Probably wasn't the greatest defensive player you'll ever have seen in your life, dear listeners. Um, just to read... Neil's biography of, of Chris Hackett, and I think he's right here, a speedy and tricky winger. Chris started his career in his hometown of Oxford and arrived at the Den following an unhappy time in Scottish football with Hart Midlovian. He helped Mill reach two playoff finals in his time at the club, coming off the bench on both occasions. But a succession of injuries curtailed further progress in his time at the Den. He went out on loan to get some uh, game time in early 2012, but was released the following summer and joined Northampton, another uh, player that went to Northampton. These days, he's a development coach at Oxford United. Um, yeah, I used to like Chris Hackett, and I do remember an injury blighting his career uh, with us before going away, uh, going out to, to Northampton. Um, funny you get little cycles of players leaving for certain clubs, and I remember you know, Northampton featured quite a bit in our lives at that point. And finally, one last player choice. I picked out Willie Gary. I used to like Willie Gary. Um, a more honest professional I don't know I've ever seen, really, because how long was he with us? He was with us uh, 2000 to 2004. He played just 19 games in that time because uh, Tony Warner was obviously always first choice. He was understudy. Um, and, but he was he was always ready and willing to take the take the, the goal if, if required. He wasn't a bad goalkeeper either, Willie Willie Julie Guerre, born in a place called Saint Claude in France, 1973. His career took him Paris Saint Germain, Red Star, Le Mans, Millwall, then Swansea. We've mentioned him already in the context of this game uh, that we're looking at here in in March 2007. Then MK Dons and Kettering to close his career. A former French under 19 international, Willie Guerre was an excellent handler and a handy shot stopper. He was. He spent most of his time at the Den. Uh, you know, second uh, to to Tony Warner. Um, after leaving the club, Willie went on to win the Welsh Cup with Swansea. I didn't know that. And win promotion from League Two with them as well. Later in his career, he won a league title with MK Dons, and this was the bit that really caught my eye. He now runs a cognac production company in France with his brother, Jimot, Jimot Gary. 
Um, I tried to find details and couldn't. It's all in French. <laughs> French runs out beyond ordering um, a cheese sandwich and a couple of beers and some crisps at the bar. After a certain point, um, you, you know, my, my French just isn't there. I did see the name Geray on a cognac uh, website, but what, what, I don't know that that was Willie Geray or Jimo Geray. But anyway, cut a long story short, he um, runs a cognac production company uh, in France. Do you like cognac, dear listener? I'm not a great lover of it personally. I couldn't drink a lot of it, could you? I don't suppose you meant to go out and get arsehole on it, so maybe that I'm missing missing the point. Um, but there we are, Willie Garrow playing for Swansea on in this particular game. Millwall 2, Swansea City nil, 31st of March in League 1 in front of 9,249 at the Den. Uh, we'd finish in 10th position in League One this particular season. Um, now, the name of Willie Donaghy doesn't get mentioned very often on our show, and he wasn't a terribly successful manager um, for us, in, in truth. He was only with us for a, a season, but I thought it might be nice just to mention Willie Donaghy, um, because by all accounts, he's a very nice bloke. I did wonder whether... Just going back to Paul Hubert's, um, you know, fiery demeanour, whether that didn't sit well with Willie Donoghue, who I understand is is quite a, a, an affable, peaceful kind of guy. I, I might be making, you know, adding two and two and making seven or something in my mind, but I just wonder whether the, the whole kind of... Um, the fieriness of uh, certain play- certain players didn't mean that Willie was well cut out for the world of, of football management. Um, but it, anyway, I could, that's pure con- conjecture. You can call, call bullshit on that if you want, dear listeners. He was an experienced footballer and an international player for Scotland. He'd played in two, played in two World Cups for Scotland, Willie Donaghy, um, in the 74 West Germany World Cup, and in Argentina, 1978. He played 351 appearances for Manchester City before moving on to America, Portland, uh, Norwich, Burnley and Oldham. And then his managerial career, we were his first real, um, you know, opportunity to be in the in, in, in the hot seat. I'm not sure he was terribly well cut out for it, listeners, because clearly... He was a player that had seen and been around the track many, many times. He took over after Nigel Spackman was was drummed out of town, and he, he was with us for a year as as Millwall manager. It flirted with relegation, um, and then obviously the wheels will come off in in two thousand. I think with uh, Kenny Jacket took over from him afterwards. Um, but I was interested to see his his career after leaving the Den. Um, he seems to have gone into the. There's, there's a whole football scene of managers and players that go to the smaller nations of the world. He, after leaving Millwall, he went on to manage Antigua and Barbuda in 2008. Um, some time as a as a coach and reserve manager at uh, Newcastle, but then Temecula, which is a team in in California in the in the, the minor soccer leagues in in the US, and then managed Montserrat. Um, so yeah, two spells as an international manager as Antigua and then Montserrat, Caribbean nation, obviously. Um, currently, currently Montserrat are managed by Lee Bowyer and captained by Lyle Taylor. I, I didn't know that. Did you, do listeners? I suppose you don't spend your life thinking about it. I didn't, unless I was doing this research. But yeah, managed by um, Willie Donaghy from 2018 
to 2022. It's an island that has been hugely um, affected by a volcanic explosion in the southern part of its of its um, territory. And if you look at the map on, on or any of the uh, the wiki pages about it, the southern half of the island is designated as an exclusion zone because of the damage caused by the eruption. The, whole, the main city of, of uh, Montserrat is called Plymouth and was totally devastated and is abandoned at the moment. Um, current news, though, on, on Willie Donachie. He was there from 2018 to, to um, 2022. At the moment, um, Willie Donachie has just been announced as the Southport FC women's team manager. Um, the, the little biography here, uh, the fullback, the, talk about the World Cup finals, Manchester City legend. Um, assistant manager Joe Royal, last time Everton won a trophy in the, the 1995 FA Cup. But yeah, these days he's he's managing in the women's women's world for Southport. Um, and it does say what a nice bloke he is. So I'm gonna. I never met him. I never met. I, I did meet Spankman, but I never met um, Willie Donachie. I'm very impressed with Spankman, but um, I always thought that Willie Donachie was probably too nice for football management, and that's pure conjecture on my part. So um, let me know what you think, dear listeners. So yeah, at the moment he's managing Southport's women's side in the uh, women's. National League. There we are, dear listeners. There's a bit of a ramshackle preview. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I will be back after the game on on Saturday. Mill versus Swansea. Let's hope for a win. We need a win. Um, and it'd be lunacy if we find ourselves in the top six as a result of it. But um, I don't really care about that at the moment. What I do care about is we get the three points at, at home on Saturday. Do send me your voice notes. I'd love to get your voice notes. Um, if we get normally get a lot more for home games than we do away games, but uh, you can use my um, on Twitter. You can send me a direct message. If you press direct message, there's a little squiggly line to send a voicemail message to me on Twitter uh, at Actung Millwall. Or if you've got my mobile number, you can WhatsApp me a message. It's great to get any any messages. Um, and if we get enough of them, we'll do another show like I did last time, a little reaction show to the various messages. So really look forward to that. Um, there we are. Um, thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the preview, such as it is. And I will talk to you at the weekend. Until uh, until then, dear listeners, it's Arriva Dirty Millwall. Bye for now. Yes, indeed. What a simple question. This was a rags to riches story. An Englishman who made it was over 27 when he made his debut in the Premier League. Um, only Ian Wright has, has made a debut later than this Leicester legend. Leicester legend, dear listeners, the one and only Jamie Vardy. Of course, it's Jamie Vardy. You knew that, didn't you? Thank you for listening to the show. Punditgames.co.uk. More of this kind of stuff in that wonderful quiz box. Thank you for listening. Arrivederci, Mill. Bye for now. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.